the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hallelujah, family. Ron Geyer with, uh, what am I doing? I'm doing End Time Insights. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, we have a Bible study that we started again. We're teaching the book of Revelation. We love it. We love it. We love it. I'm going to have to get a bigger house. Thank you, Jesus. No, I'm not moving. We're perfectly happy where we are. Oh, we missed last week. Uh, We had the big Texas freeze of 21, I think they would say that it was. But man, it was 6, 10, 12 degrees. We kept our power. We lost it for three hours. We lost water for a bit. No problem. I'm a cook. I've got big cooking buckets and I throw them under the roof and I caught enough water to do what we needed to do. God meets every need according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you for listening. This is uh, February 28th and we are teaching on trying the spirits. Like I said, I'm, I may teach on Revelation. I get such good revelation out of the book of Revelation. I get such good teaching, such good topics. And we taught on the church at Ephesus. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. You know, everybody thinks about Ephesus and they go, what do you think about Ephesus? I'm going to ask my station guy. Brian, what do you think about Ephesus, the church at Ephesus? What was the big thing that you know about Ephesus? I hope I don't embarrass him. We have a guest today, folks. I know that it was at Ephesus. Well, that's a, <laughs> it's better than most. Hallelujah. The people say the church at Ephesus, they were the church that lost their first love. And actually, they didn't lose it. They left it. They chose to leave it. They forgot about God. But actually, as we did the study on it last week, you're going to find out that that church was commended by the Lord Jesus Christ on several fronts. He was thrilled with them. They did great. And just a little something to make your heart rejoice. Jesus said, hey, man, if you do not return to your first love, then I am going to remove your candlestick out of its place, meaning your church is going to die. You will not have the presence of the Lord God in your church anymore. And the good news is they did repent. Thank you, Lord. That church went on to be a successful church for the next couple of centuries. So thank you, Lord. But also in there, they talked about trying the spirits. Jesus congratulated them for their works, their endurance, their patience. He congratulated them that they tried the spirits. And let me read you First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. You know, I'm easy. I give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't think you're going to try to trick me. I don't think you're going to lie to me. I don't think you're going to deceive me. I don't think you're in it for my money. That's just me. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I'm a very positive, happy kind of guy. Jesus says, don't believe every spirit. I've had to learn that. Don't believe every spirit. And I don't want to say that I've got a critical spirit now. I don't want one. I would repent of that if I got it. But man, I dissect everything. If you're quoting me a scripture, you had better get it right. And you had better get it right out of the King James Version. I don't want none of this passion translation stuff. It's not a translation. It's just a paraphrase. Matter of fact, the King James is written spirit to spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit. They are truth. They are life to all them that find them. And so it's to build a spiritual relationship between you and God the Father through Jesus Christ. The passion translation 
person tries to build an emotional connection. It tries to give you an emotional relationship between you and God. Nothing could be more dangerous. So don't use it. What I've learned is you can read any translation, any paraphrase you want, but when you teach, you need to teach out of the King James. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So, there are spirits out there, but not everyone is of God. But if you're in a church setting, if you're in a Bible study, if you have ministry, those spirits had better be from God. That's John, 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. I am warning you guys, don't believe every spirit. Check it out with the Word of God. I want to speak on this topic today. As I mentioned last week, we're teaching the book of Revelation again in our Bible study. One of the themes we see occurring is the constant warning, the constant encouragement by Jesus to the churches to deal with evil when it's in your church, to watch out for false teachers, to watch out for false doctrines, and to be aware of the leaven that comes in. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus was congratulating Ephesus that they tried the spirits, that they did not put up with those that were evil in the church. Could you imagine having somebody come to your church and somebody stands up and says, I rebuke you? That's not true. You know, I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. It happened in the days of Peter and Paul. And yet we need to start looking at things according to the word of God and start living what the Bible tells us to do. Today's church, unfortunately, is living in an environment in which the apostasy is prevalent. Thessalonians calls it the falling away. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. So look at this. Just these two scriptures. Number one, don't believe every spirit. And number two, don't let anybody deceive you by any means. The word there, deceive, is planeo. And it means to cause one to roam away from the place of safety. And we are seeing that all over the place in the body of Christ. People leaving the church. People getting hooked up on things that they have no business getting hooked up on. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day, what day, the coming of Christ, except that that day will not come, except there's going to be a great falling away first, and the man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition. So Paul is telling the Thessalonians, they thought they missed the rapture, they thought they missed the second coming. He says, no, 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 no. He goes, that's not going to happen, but there is going to be a great falling away. During Paul's day, there wasn't a great falling away. People were still being added to the church by the thousands. The church was growing. The church at Ephesus was growing. The church at Thessalonica was growing. It was a great move of God to build his church in those early days. And these people at Thessalonica were worried. They must have got a letter from somebody. He talks about it later on in the chapter. But no, 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 no. There is a falling away. We are living in the time of the falling away. And Dave Gusek writes these comments on there. I just want to clarify something to you. When I hit a topic that I think you may not be familiar with, I want to open it up to you and maybe incite your interest and maybe get you passionate about it to understand it on a deeper level. Dave Gusick explains the falling away like this. The ancient Greek word for falling away, actually, it's apostasia. And it's great. You know, it literally means a departure from truth. Wow. I mean, is that not the church today? We have departed from the truth. I mean, look at us. We allow people to wear masks in church. We encourage them to wear masks in church. And the truth is those masks are dangerous. Those masks are causing problems in their body. I saw an article the other day that respiratory diseases are at an all-time high. Of course they're at an all-time high. We're forcing the American populace to go ahead and breathe in stuff that God designed our bodies to get rid of. That's dangerous. 
Dave Guzik, he talks about the Greek word for falling away, indicates a rebellion or a departure, a departure from the truth. Bible scholars debate back and forth whether this refers to the apostasy just among the followers of Christ, or is this a general worldwide rebellion? In fact, Paul may have both in mind when he wrote this, because there's evidence of each, whether it's a church uh, apostasy or an end-time apostasy. First Timothy 4, last days, then the perilous times, men shall be lovers of themselves. Other scriptures also talk about it. Nevertheless, Paul's point is clear. You are worried that we're in the Great Tribulation and that you have missed the rapture. But you can know that we are not in the Great Tribulation because we have not yet seen the falling away that comes first. America is in a falling away. The world is in the falling away. The truth, what's the truth? There's a man and there's a woman. God created them in his image. But we have departed from that truth. I use this because it's such a basic example of how far we've fallen away from truth. Men are men. And women are women. It's that simple. And yet we don't know that anymore. We are trying to change it. And we are serious about it. Our Supreme Court doesn't know what divine marriage looks like. They quit reading the Bible. They quit obeying the Bible. We are in a whole world of hurt. And you got to understand, apostasia literally translates a departure from accepted truths, from known truths, from biblical truths. Off the beaten path for a minute, you know, Getting on truth, if I may. One of the things that the Lord impressed upon me when we started this radio program was that he insists I always give you the truth. Not Ron's truth, what I perceive to be the truth. You know, Oprah talks about his truth, your truth, their truth, my truth. Oh, no, 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 no. There's only one truth. It was sanctified by that truth, according to Jesus in the book of John. But truth is his. I am the truth. My words are truth. I have in place, I, I put safeguards in place uh, in my ministry, in my life, concerning truth, to make sure that you only get truth. I watch what I put into my mind, into my body, what I feed on. I make sure that you only get the truth. One of those safeguards I have is that I fight off and I reject any desire for self-promotion. There is zero pride in Ron. Yeah, I've been rejected. Not a big deal. You know, I've been slammed, kicked down. People wouldn't let us teach the Bible in our churches because they thought we were too spiritual, because we focused too much on the Word of God. It's amazing. And yet, I got it. I got it. You know, when I was at my former church, a large church, I, you know, it seemed like spiritually I'd walk up the steps and I'd get to the top of the steps. I go, thank you, Lord, I'd arrived. And he goes, turn around. I turn around, I'd look, and there was a larger set of steps. They were steeper. And I go, oh, Lord. So I'd get to the top of that one after a year. And I, same thing, turn around, look, and there was another set. Man, I, you know, so I've been there. I'm done. I've done. I have no aspirations to be a great name preacher. I have no aspirations to be world famous. I have no aspirations to quit my job and just do ministry. I am perfectly comfortable doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So if he promotes me, fine. If he doesn't, fine. I don't need to know that I am doing his will or not. I know it. I have plenty of people around me constantly build me up and encourage me and even rebuke me. My wife is great at that. Plus, you know, me and God, we're on speaking terms. We have a good relationship. If he wants to tell me something, he'll do it. Secondly, I don't want your money. You know, if God can provide for this radio show through our own efforts, fine. If he can't, then fine, I don't belong on here. I will not burden you with the responsibility of funding this radio show. If I can't find a few thousand dollars a year as a business owner for this endeavor, then I'm, maybe I'm in the wrong business, or maybe I don't belong here. So number one, I have no plans of great personal grandeur. Number two, I don't want your money. And number three, that keeps me from getting off into uh, places where I don't belong. I have no agenda other than your soul for Christ. 
My motivation is his love for me. I seek no gifts. I want no extra favor, Lord. I don't need any personal grandizement. I am comfortable where I am. I like my own skin. I also enjoy serving God as he leads. I do it with my wife, Diane, and a bunch of friends. I am in competition with no one. I am content where I am at. That keeps me from, I think, going off into the deep edge. Anyway, back to trying the spirits. That's what this lesson's about. Jesus congratulated the church at Ephesus for doing just that. Revelation 2.2. I know thy works, and I know thy labor, and I know thy patience, and I know you cannot stand them that are evil. These people trying to come to the church, bring evil into the church. Jesus said, patted them on the back. I know you can't stand them that are evil. And I know that you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. Wow. Don't forget, let me set the the scene for you. Ephesus, it was called the Light of Asia. It had the largest Christian population. The churches at Ephesus were like 100,000 Christians, and people would come over there, and they would try to build a ministry for themselves. If you could preach at Asia, if you could preach at Ephesus, you could preach anywhere in Asia. You could preach at Thyatira. You could preach at Philadelphia, at Laodicea. If you could establish a ministry and a name for yourself at Ephesus, then you were good to go. And don't forget, Ephesus was the apostolic church because they uh, set up and they founded all those other six churches that you find in the book of Revelation. And so people would come over from Rome. They'd get off the boat. They'd come in there and they'd tell the apostles, they tell the people at Ephesus, okay, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm talking about. And Jesus says, you have tried them. In the Greek, the word is parazo. And it means to examine intently for the purpose of proving the fitness of someone or something. It's been used to describe the process whereby metals are heated to reveal and remove the dross or any impurities. Also, it was a word that we used to test the veracity of the coins that they minted to determine if they were real or counterfeit. So God wanted them to perform a very close inspection to see if they were worthy or not. And I remember when we did our marriage classes, and women were looking for spouses. And man, we told them, we said, hey, man, you check that guy out. You check his job. You call the FBI. You call Interpol. You look at his bank account. You check his phone. You find out if this guy is worthy of being sent by God to be your spouse. And we had them go through the ringer to make sure you have found them liars. So a lot of these people were found out to be false. Jesus said it right there. And you have tried them, which say they are apostles and are not. And you have found them to be liars. You know, Jesus doesn't mind calling a spade a spade. If you say you're apostles and you are not apostles, guess what? You're a liar. That's Jesus. We can't shy away from doing that in our churches today. You have found them to be liars. The Ephesians didn't just do a cursory examination. They were diligent. They kept on looking and investigating. They picked up every rock, turned every page, spoke to every acquaintance until they had exhausted all of their resources or until a discovery was made. The best way to explain the word Jews here and have found them to be liars would be that after this careful process, they had a eureka moment. They slapped themselves on the head. Wow, we found it. This guy is false. The Greek word is actually Hurisco, and that's we get our English word Eureka for it, but it means I've got a revelation. This guy is false. When a speaker comes into your church and he or she is promoting a miracle ministry, they had better have miracles. Immediately, your antenna should go up. They had better bring the ministry of miracles because if they come in there and they say, just like the people, the false apostles at the church at Ephesus, they say they are apostles or they say this is going to be a ministry of miracles tonight, they better bring the miracles. 
I have seen firsthand where big name ministers come in. They say they speak for God, which say they are apostles, just like in the old days where they were at Ephesus. They say they speak for God. And what did Jesus say? He said, try them. They found them out that they were liars. Well, you come in and you say we're going to have a miracle ministry and you don't have a miracle ministry that night. Guess what? You are a liar too. You know, I'm nobody's fool. I've been a Christian for 40 years in the Word. I'm going to find out the truth. God has passioned me for truth, to seek truth, to find truth, to share truth, and to live by the truth. That's just how he made me. So last time someone came into uh, a church I was at a meeting for, they promoted it as a miracle meeting. So after the church was over, I sought out the people he spoke to, he laid hands on, or he prophesied to, or he touched them prophesying that they were healed, that this disease was gone. And I spoke to those people. I spoke to the people the next day. I spoke to them next month. They did not get healed. I'm sorry. There was no healing. And so immediately, that guy, I'm not going back to hear him again. You know, he, according to the Bible, the Lord Jesus would label him as a liar. We are too easy. We let people come in and do anything they want. We give them our money. We promote them. We send them down to the next church in our religious group down the street. And they do the same thing over and over and over. Let me say this. You don't fund the gospel with money. You may fund ministries with money, but you fund the gospel through faith and obedience. Get that settled in your brain. The gospel is not funded by your money. It's funded by faith and by obedience. Now, I'm not here to hang people. I'm here to protect and to guide you. I am here to warn you and to prepare you to prepare God's people. Like Jesus said, if after your examination, these people don't measure up, then they lied. Get rid of them. Move. Let's look at this presidential election. In my circle of faith, prophets play a large role. Well, in my personal life, they don't. I'm sorry. Ephesians says God gave them to the church for the purpose of, well, yeah, let's read it. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12. And he gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, he gave some evangelists, he gave some pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers go together. It's not a five-fold ministry, it's a four-fold ministry. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why we have prophets and teachers and pastors. They are to perfect the saints. They are to perfect them for the work of the ministry. We are to be doing ministry work. And for the edifying of the body of, of Christ, we are to build ourselves up in love. So just like other ministry gifts, prophets are to play a role in maturing us for the purpose of ministry and to help build us into the holy, functioning, fruit-bearing body of Christ. Many big-name prophets, I don't know in your circle, you know, a lot of religions don't pay attention to the prophets. The prophets were big in the Old Testament and the Jews, but in the New Age, charismatic, and the Word of Faith movement, prophets play a major role. And that's because we feel that we hear from God all the time and we speak it out. We're not ashamed about that stuff. And half the time we do, half the time we don't. Let me take that back. 10% of the times we do, 90% of the times we don't. You know, people, we're in prayer meeting the other day and people are going, you know, what, what do you think God wants to do today? What do you think God's going to do today? I'll tell you what he's going to do today. He's going to do what he said he was going to do. He's going to do his word. And so here we are in his last days and people are going, Trump, Trump, Trump. Prophets are going, Trump, Trump, Trump. God's going to return Trump to the presidency. It was stolen. God's putting Trump back in office. You know, I'm not looking for the return of Trump. I'm looking for the return of Christ. My carnal vision can't see what's going on spiritually. If God chooses to promote Trump and bring him back, well, praise the Lord, I'm on board with that. I love President Trump. Trump over Biden, what are you, nuts? Any day of the week, 
My carnal vision can't see it happening. My spiritual vision can't see it happening. Right now, for me personally, I put all of those prophetic voices on the shelf. I don't care what type of reputation they have. They keep building off of one another. This one says Trump's going to be president for four more years. This one says Trump's going to be president for a second term. This one says Trump's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe. I don't know. That does not concern me today. Whether Trump is president or whether Biden is president, whether I'm living in a capitalist country or whether I'm living in a communist country, I am the same child of God. I put all of those prophets on the shelf. Many, they still could be prophesying out of their own spirits. You know, they just don't, wow, where's my time going? They just don't say, thus saith the Lord, and then move on. I mean, these people have got to be right. We learned, one of the first things I learned about ministry gifts, a prophet of God, a true prophet of God is never wrong. Never wrong. Was Jeremiah ever wrong? Never. Isaiah? Never. Ezra? None of these guys were ever wrong. Wrong. They spoke for God. They spoke, thus saith the Lord, and God brought it to pass. By the way, they weren't prophesying predictive stuff, such as, well, uh, Trump's going to be president eight years, and uh, Harry's going to get rich, and Barbara's going to marry uh, Jill, whatever. Okay? They prophesied warnings, calling the Jews to repentance for their sin. They were warning them of the judgment that came. Me, New Testament Christian, I can read my Bible. And my Bible telling me America is in a whole hell of a lot of trouble. Literally. Part of the tribulation period is when hell is literally unleashed on the earth. We are fast-tracking toward that scenario. I don't want you to get stuck here. I don't want you to miss out on the, trip, on the rapture of the church because you're too stuck on believing carnal things. Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Jesus. Beware of false prophets. I get it. Okay. Jesus was saying this to the church, by the way. Yes, that's us. Which come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like you. Wow. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. He just didn't say they're wolves. Wolves are terrible. But these are ravening wolves. I mean, they are coming after you and they are ferocious. They are after your money. Let me tell you. Another way, I try them. And I'm going to tell you this in my own life. I try the spirits. And the way I try them, I try them is against the sin of our nation. I don't need much else to tell me that something is wrong, something is true, or something is false. To me, as a Christian living in America, there was one message and one message only. And it is not the return of Trump. The message, from what I understand from my relationship with God, from looking at the Bible and how it applies to my nation right now, the message that the prophets should be preaching, the message that the pastors should be preaching, the evangelists, the teachers, the apostles, the message they should be telling the people in America today is not Trump, Trump, Trump. It's got to be repent, repent, repent. We have done nothing about abortion. We have done nothing about homosexual uh, lifestyles. We're losing ground in that. We have done nothing about illegals entering the border. We have done nothing about the assault on Christendom and our nation. We have done nothing. We're still preaching prosperity. We're still preaching about faith. We're still preaching about acquisition. For my pastor did great last week. He spoke on hell. Hallelujah. You did great, pastor. Oh, I had one gripe, though. You apologize for preaching it. Don't. You tell us that Jesus preaches about hell 90 times. He mentions it in the Bible 90 times. Well, if Jesus doesn't apologize for telling the people about hell, we shouldn't either. And I'm not going to either. Anyway, I try them. I look at them, their actions against what's going on in our nation. Trump can't fix our sin problem. Only Jesus can. Trump can't turn around abortion or homosexuality or lawlessness or murder. When a prophet in the Old Testament spoke, he was warning the Jews of the impending judgment from God upon their sin. That's how I try the spirits. God yelled at them when they said good stuff. 
that the people wanted to hear. But he said, I didn't send them. Jeremiah 23, I have not sent these guys. Yet they ran with their message. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. I use Old Testament lessons to learn about prophets. And as Israel, I use what the lessons is in the Old Testament spoke and how we saw how God dealt with Israel and their sin. The New Testament doesn't change who God is. It changes who you can be. But the lessons in the Old Testament there for us, and we need to make sure that we apply them to our lives. I use the Old Testament lessons about prophets sin in Israel to help me search out the validity of the new prophets as well. The New Testament prophets. The New Testament doesn't change anything at all. All it does, it gives us the opportunity to walk with God minute by minute, day by day, daily. I say all this to encourage you guys. It's an exciting time in Christendom. God loves you and he wants you to obey the word of God. He wants you. He doesn't want to go to hell. He doesn't want people going to hell. That's not his game plan. His game plan is that all would come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. That's why I preach repentance. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, we love you and we bless you. We trust you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the people that listen. I pray that you would draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. Father God, visit them, woo them, wow them, wonder them. Father God, win them at night when their bodies are shut down with your presence. I know that you love them. I know that you care for them. Jesus died for their sin. Don't let them be deceived, Father God. Don't let them be fooled by the spirits, Father God, that are just disobeying you and preaching false things. Win them back. Win them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.